Coming up on this week's edition of the Smitty and Mitty Show, we're joined by Sho Ali from the Fan 590 in Toronto to discuss the Toronto Blue Jays season and spring training. Plus, we'll look into the new rules in Major League Baseball. And now... Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Start your engines! 90% of the time, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. The show that's got everyone saying... You're so dumb, for real. With Smitty. What you just said is one of the most idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Mitty. I've been in this business 15 years. What's your name? you. That's my name. This is the Smitty Mini Show. Smitty Mini Show, yet another week coming at you lively recorded from the Smitty Mini Show studio in downtown Illinois. I like that. Lively recorded. Yep. That's uh, Noah Smith, whose voice you yep. just heard, the silky smooth stylings of Noah Smith. Over here, Tyler Middleton is the annoying voice you're going to hear here for the next hour. Also joining us, a very intuitive voice in Show Ali, coming to you from Rogers Sportsnet, a Blue Jays reporter, also has his own movie podcast. We'll talk a little bit to him about, but first, the sponsors, Dave Middleton, Sun Life, Financial Life is brighter under the sun, gold blind curling, the choice of champions, Tim Hortons Briar, actually happening right now in London, Ontario, if you have the opportunity Get some tickets, head on down. It'll be a lot of fun. We were just looking at the Sunday morning draw. Plenty. Yeah, checking it out. Plenty. Plenty of great seats available. As they like to see. Good tickets still available. Mm-hmm. So we're going to check it out. Uh, I like when you go through and you just ramble for the first 45. And when I say ramble, I mean good things. You get the sponsors out of the way. You say who's going to be on the show. You tee things up. Then I don't have to do anything. I'm so excited. I don't have to do nothing. It's been about three weeks, I think, since I've been in studio. And the energy when I'm here... And I, first of all, I can hear myself in my ears, yeah, which is yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. You, These you, headphones, man. You don't understand until you have the opportunity to do it every week for two years to hear yourself in your ears. It makes conversation a lot better, I think. Well, first of all, you don't talk over other people because you can hear it in your own ear and it sounds weird. It throws you off. You try to fix the pitch of your own voice because you can hear it in your ears. It's just, it's really nice. It's nice to be here to feed off of you, to be real close to my my great friend here, No Smith. Yeah, I know. Your feet are right near my face. They smell? No, they're not too bad. Okay. I also got a little bit of a cloggy nose here, so. Oh, no. We're good. What's wrong? I don't know. Just a cold? Yeah. It's probably like the ice storms and stuff. Yeah. Another one hitting the area this weekend. I'm supposed to be wheels up on Sunday. <laughs> Monday. Yeah. Monday. On my way to How Florida. likely is that going to happen? Well, it's WestJet, so. Yeah. Listen, I put the odds at 48% that you are wheels up when you're supposed to be. On time? There's no... And I don't mean on time. I mean within, I'll even give it a two-hour buffer. This is a legitimate thing. Two-hour buffer. I went on the other day just to check what gate we're at so I know where to go, what time we're leaving. I like to be prepared getting on planes. It is already delayed. Or, sorry, what? It's already delayed. How do they, how do they know? I don't know. But it's delayed 45 minutes already. They're like, ah. They, we're not going to be there on time. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we put down 2 o'clock, but there ain't no way we're getting up at 2 o'clock. They're like, ah, we maybe messed this one up. <laughs> or maybe it's just like a like a, you know, like a domino effect thing. Flight's late 45 minutes here. They didn't leave any space in between. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Mm. Well, probably. Here we are. I would assume, because it's not like flights go overnight. So you can't have a, you can't have a flight from the day before that affects your timing for that day fair right so i would assume that they booked it for that time they booked all the planes because they people can get tickets like a year in advance right and then all of a sudden they realize oh we need this pilot to hop on this plane because he's returning to florida but he's not getting in in time to get to there or he's gonna we need to give him him some time time to get across the airport so it's already so instead of just changing the time of the flight and confusing people Mm -hmm. by having your ticket that used to say two for the last year now say 245 they just delay it yeah exactly we got this figured out let's start an airport i think we could legitimately run west jet because i think this is more forethought <laughs> than they've ever had <laughs> oh good thing we don't have stocks in west jet good thing we're sponsors sponsor, yeah. west they never will be now. now by the way swift air it's one of the best ways to travel <laughs> swoop travel with swoop oh sorry you want to save what did money? i say swift that's Which close also might be an airline i cannot sounds australian why? I don't know. <laughs> like a boomerang airplane, it always comes back. 
Uh, okay, coming up on this mini mini show this week, as you mentioned, Shoa Lee from Fan Five Ninety. Uh, you've probably heard his voice if you listen to Toronto Blue Jays games. He is the in studio host, does the pregame, uh, does the kind of intermission. It's not really an intermission in baseball. The between inning stuff. It's literally they just say, "Let's check in with Shoal." I think yeah. it's the out of town scoreboard. Out of town scoreboard. Yeah, he does the out of town scoreboard. Uh, so he'll join us in segment two, which is coming up in uh, about four minutes' time here on the Smitty and Mitty Show. Um, we'll also talk a little bit more about baseball, some of the rule changes. We've got our first kind of week or so spring training under our belt to see about the new rule changes, and uh, all that's coming up in just a little bit here on the Smitty and Mitty Show. Uh, first, before we, we we get to segment two and all that fun stuff you just talked about, I think a lot of people are sitting there thinking, wow, there was a lot of hockey stuff that happened this week. There was. And we understand, but it's Wednesday as we record. Yeah, we record early in the week. There's going to be more to happen. Right. And we just can't, like, we can't go out there with, not that it's going to be wrong information. We'll go off of what we have as a Wednesday. But it's called, uh, we like to call it the curse of the Smitty Committee show. As soon as we turn these mics off here, the biggest trade of the year will happen. So we just yeah, we're just gonna sure. hold we're just gonna hold off a week. So the one thing we can talk about, and and I love my Leafs. They Dubas did a, a great job at getting pretty much Fantastic every job. High, now they don't have like a pick for the next six years, but they do. Did, you want to win or do you want yeah, picks? exactly? Like, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. They're just gonna have to go into a rebuild. But I would rather have a championship legit run and then go into a rebuild than kind of be the Toronto Raptor status quo for for eight years or whatever. What I do want to talk about is something that just happened before we came on here. Ottawa Senators making a splash. Chikrin. Do you think that that one. is a that they legit have aspirations? Would you rather them have not made that move, finish just out of the playoff spot, and have you know a slim chance, but still a chance at at that lottery spot or at least moving up, or would you rather them sneak into the playoffs and probably lose in five? I think is that uh, age old conversation. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather them get in the playoffs. Playoff hockey is playoff hockey, and that sometimes the energy of playoff hockey can be enough to, I don't want to say turn around a rebuild because the rebuild's already in a great position, but it can be enough to boost the rebuild. Right? The, the Senators, by all means, were not expected to be in the conversation for a wild card spot. This year, a month ago, November, October when they started. Like, this was not... The Ottawa Senators were not supposed to be. And now, as we record this, five points out, that'll probably change. It's going to be tough. It is going to be astronomically tough to make the playoffs. But I think they're just trying to ride high on the emotions and see if they can sneak in. Are you surprised with how little Chikrin went for? Because, like, that wasn't a huge return. What was it? Two conditionals? Conditional first, second? conditional second, and the only one that wasn't conditional was, I think, a 2026 like second. Yeah. It's really low. That's a pretty low ask for a guy who's been the top of the market. So I think it's a win, right? You you go in there and you get him for probably less than even they were expecting. I don't see how it could be seen as a bad well, Just look at what the Leafs gave for a lot of their pit. Like, would you have rather gone, you know, 4D deep and got depth or get that one real impact guy? Obviously, they went with depth. I think it's because they couldn't find a goalie, but we'll talk about that next week. As long now, exactly as I said that, as soon as we put these mics on, yeah, they're, exactly. they're going to get a goalie. But yeah, I mean, interesting. We'll talk more about it next week. Yeah, lots more coming up on the trade deadline front for uh, the NHL next week on the show. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, I'll try to do my best because Mr. Middleton is going to be in Florida for this. Um, so definitely more coming in two weeks' time when he's back. Uh, but we'll bring someone on and talk a little bit with the about the trade deadline next I'll check week. in next week. We got to go get to show Ali. He's going to join us on the other side of the break to talk about the Toronto Blue Jays and spring training. That's coming up after we hear from the sponsors. You're listening to the Smitty Amity Show on the TSMS Radio Network. Even though I'd just gotten a new job that paid well, I still wanted to be prepared for the unexpected. My Sun Life advisor encouraged me to do three things. Get health coverage, start paying back debt, and build a safety net. When I got my cancer diagnosis, my advisor had already helped me become debt-free with enough set aside for emergencies. When I took time off, I didn't worry about my finances so I could focus on getting better. Today, I'm in remission. Call Middleton Finner Financial Services with offices in King Carden and Port Elgin. Goldline would like to thank the sponsors, the volunteers, and the fans for making the Port Elgin Chrysler 23 Ontario Tankard and Scotties presented by Bruce Power such a great success. Curling has everything you're looking for in a pastime. Get started with equipment from Goldline, the choice of champions. 
You're listening to the Smitty and Mitty Show. Welcome back to the Smitty and Mitty Show. Joining us now, producer and host at the Fan 590 Show, Elise Show. Thanks for hopping on. Pleasure to talk to you here on this fine day. Yeah, thanks, sir. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, I love this time of year. Spring training just kicking up. Your baseball juices just get flowing again. Uh, but I'm going to start because we were searching through, reading your Twitter, you know, getting ready for all this. And we saw you do have another podcast that you do. It is about some movies. Uh, Showtime, I believe, right? And uh, I saw on your last one a mention of Glass Onion. And I'm like, I'm going to start right there. I want to ask you because I thought it was one of the best movies I've ever seen. And I think I'm in the minority of that. But I'm going to start right there with you. Okay, yeah, Glass Onion was pretty fun. I will say, I think my, I've seen it twice now. Saw it with my wife when it came out on Netflix, and then I got—I actually was pretty lucky to see it at TIFF when it was uh, premiered. And I—it's I, funny. A couple of years ago, I had seen the original Knives Out without really knowing much beyond that Ryan Johnson was the director and that Daniel Craig was in it. And the crowd at TIFF was so jacked up. Like they—that was one of the most electric crowds sporting events a movie or otherwise i've maybe ever been in and i gotta say people were like really jacked up to watch glass onion as well i i did enjoy it i did enjoy it I, i'm not sure i enjoyed it as much as the first one but um you know well, you know what they say about expectations expectations always like change the way you view things so maybe maybe my expectations were higher i'm not sure see i think i was the opposite because i thought the first one was really really slow and I don't want to go too long on this because some people probably haven't seen it and just hate this. But I th- the first one was pro- I thought was really, really slow. And the second one I thought was really interesting because you kind of went into it knowing who did it. You knew who it was, but they still found a way to throw wrenches in. It's like you know where the path is and you know probably how they're going to get there. But they were able to still throw you off and surprise you with little things. I thought that was genius and just a way that movies don't usually go. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair. I think the uh, upon rewatching it, I think they actually added some clever little visual things where if you hadn't like if you weren't paying attention you probably wouldn't have caught it but if you were actively looking and trying to like solve this quote-unquote murder with your own eyes you probably could have solved that thing yourself which is pretty cool you don't see movies made like that anymore too much all right one final question on movies i'm heading out tomorrow to watch a movie for the first time in a while in theaters um and i think we're gonna go see cocaine bear have you seen it is it a waste of twelve dollars Okay, I have I have not yet seen it. I will admit, but I am very much looking forward to it. So you'll have to tell me how it was because I think my my plan was to go see it. I think next weekend. So uh, you'll have to tell me how it was, and if it was, then I I will decide whether or not it is uh, wasted <laughs> wasted twelve dollars or not. One of my coworkers saw it, and I think the way he described it was: if you go in with low expectations, you'll think it was a great movie. If you go in expecting an, an award winning film, you're going to be disappointed. I've seen some people compare it to. You guys remember those Sharknado movies? Right. I've seen some like people. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people compare it to like the shark. Like it, it, it services the same audience as a uh, as Sharknado. So hey, you know what? I actually kind of enjoyed the silliness of Sharknado. So maybe, maybe we'll like uh, Cocaine Bear. Who knows? All right, well, uh, we'll move on. We'll get to some baseball here because, like I said, some exciting time. The Blue Jays, those birds are back at it down in Florida, playing their first games uh, within the last week here in spring training. Vladdy off to a hot start already. But I want to uh, I want to start with the focus on the outfield because, obviously, it was kind of the big thing that the Jays did this year. They went out, they moved a couple huge pieces in that outfield, and I think downgraded their offense a little bit out there, but upgraded in a massive way their defense. Do you subscribe to that uh, kind of thinking? I definitely think the team is perhaps less power, but still, I think, well-equipped to take on probably the new rule changes, the new dimensions at the Rogers Center, uh, the balanced schedule. Because, look, anytime you lose someone like Teoscar Hernandez, you lose some power. That's just, that's just the reality of it, right? I mean, he is, he is a little bit of an adventure sometimes in outfield defensively, but the power is so effortless. Like, I've, I've been pretty lucky over the past couple of years to be down at the Rogers Center for batting practice before a lot of games. And Teoscar Hernandez might be one of the few people who, with it looks like he's not even trying, and he'll hit the, like the giant uh, Videotron, Jumbotron board out there in the 500s with a lot, of those, a lot of those balls. So he is gone, so that definitely means you have less power out there. But I also think that people will be, I know he hasn't had the most exciting spring so far, but people will be excited about the addition of Dalton Varsho. That guy makes some absolutely electric catches, and he also has some pretty good power with the bat as well. I know some people kind of view him as the third catcher also, maybe, if, if, if need be. 
I suppose that's definitely possible. I certainly hope he's not playing much catcher this year because it probably means other things have happened that you don't love. But uh, Dalton Varsho, Kevin Kiermeyer with the uh, great defensive play. We know the bat isn't exactly the, uh, the the thing you look for when you look at Kiermeyer's play. But between Varsho and Kiermeyer, and then we all know what George Springer brings, I think you know, people will be pretty happy with the, what the outfield looks like come uh, come the opening opening game against the Cards at the end of March. Well, it's one thing that we've talked about on our show a fair amount, uh, obviously over the winter and as we make our way into spring training, is about um, some of those things you mentioned. The rule changes, the different outfield in Toronto. It's going to be, by all accounts, tougher to play outfield in Toronto now. It's not symmetrical. It's not even. Um, you're going to get a little bit of different bounces. And I think that honestly was a mindset for the Blue Jays this year. Shore up a little bit on the defense and get guys that you know are going to give you a solid D night in, night out. Yeah, exactly. Like I think the with no real metrics to know exactly, like just exactly what the dimensions will make your team look like, how they'll perform with different feelings out there, and and certainly what the lack of the shift will do to teams. And I think what we've seen so far in spring training, there is kind of like a mini shift that still sorta kind of sorta happens. But for the most part, I think the Blue Jays went out there and prepared as best they could. Because you know, one thing we saw last year was the the preparation on defense. We saw so many balls come off the bat of an opposing player and get hit straight to uh, Santiago Espinal or, or a Lourdes Gurriel Jr. or anyone in the kind of shallow infield or out, right out there in the outfield, and they barely moved their feet. And a lot of people talked about how that was the result of preparation and knowing where the balls come off the bat of opposing players, and they could account for that with a shift. And it's crazy to think that, I, I believe, of... Outs caught with four players, essentially outs caught with the shift being used. The Blue Jays, I think, had 72 outs last year. And I think the next closest team was perhaps, I think, the Tampa Bay Rays. And they were around 15 or something like that, right? So the, the drop-off from the top team in Blue Jays using the shift to the next team was pretty dramatic. So I, I think they went out there, and you guys are right. They went out there to expressly make sure the lack of the shift won't hurt them too much by having guys like Varsho and Kiermaier and still George Springer who can cover tons of ground and make, make electric catches. Yeah, we do tend to when, when trades are made and especially when trades involving very popular players going the other way, uh, we tend to compare those two players. And I, I wonder if when we compare, you know, Varsho to Gabriel Moreno, or when we're looking at Teoscar Hernandez, a silver slugger to a reliever and Stewart, like how do we make those those connections or do we just look at it as the Toronto Blue Jays as a whole, did they get better and just kind of forget about what those other guys are doing? You know, I think you're right, though. I, th- I think you're right in that people are emotional in how they look at trades. And I remember I was on the air when Teoscar got traded and when the return and en- like ended up, quote unquote, just being a prospect and a reliever, I think a lot, and that, it wasn't even exactly like one of their top relievers coming back from the Mariners. It was, it was, it was a pretty good reliever, but not a, not an Andres Munoz, a guy who throws like 101 miles an hour. It wasn't one of those guys, which I think is what Blue Jays fans wanted. I, I do think it's almost like fantasy sports, right? I do think you kind of like overrate your own, your own guys and simultaneously underrate other guys. And that's not to say the Oscar Hernandez was overrated, but I do think there is a, like an emotional element to how you view players who you've watched effectively grow up in front of your own eyes. I mean, Teoscar Hernandez was acquired from the Houston Astros, and he went from being someone who wasn't particularly highly regarded, I think, when he was traded to Toronto, all the way to someone who was like the smile. He had he was a, a great interview. He was a, a positive presence in the dugout. So I think it, there is an emotional aspect to it, and when that. Eric Swanson being the only guy coming back the other way, I think people got a little mad. And similarly, Gabriel Moreno. And I think that a lot of a lot of people view prospects as the like, uh, what's the right word? Like the carrot almost going forward, right? You because it's always like, well, who's getting called up next? Who's the next guy? Is it Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Is it Bo Bichette? Is it Kevin Biggio? Is it Alec Manoa? Is it all of these different guys? And when and Moreno was viewed as one of the top prospects in all of baseball, and he gets shipped out the door for someone who I honestly think. People just don't know a lot about. Like people may know a little bit about Eric Swanson because he played for the Mariners and the Mariners play in the American League. But the Arizona Diamondbacks, like <laughs> I don't think the three of us watch a lot of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. You know what I mean? I, Arizona I Diamondbacks of... fans watch Arizona Diamondbacks. Games. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think 
think you're right. So I think that's a big that's a big reason for people being like, oh, some bar show guy. Like, what's what's that worth? Is that really worth the number one prospect in all of baseball? So I think that's that's definitely a part of it when you when you look at players going in and out the door. Now let's look a little bit because I've seen some and, and whether or not they're correct or not, I've seen some takes on Twitter about the moves that the Blue Jays have made this offseason. Uh, look at in particular the Teoscar Hernandez trade where the Blue Jays break up some of that, you know, that core, those guys that like to have fun in the dugout, you know, the sunflower seeds all over the place, the right. home run jacket. And it seems like the Blue Jays are moving away from that a little bit. Are these people looking too much into that or are the Blue Jays really trying to, I don't know, maybe make things a little bit more serious in the dugout, try to win some ball games, try to win in the playoffs? You know, it does. It, it's a good question because we've seen, even in the last couple of days, the Blue Jays smoke some home runs in spring training. And I mean, like spring training, you take everything with a grain of salt to a certain degree, obviously. But we haven't seen the home run jacket. No home run jacket so far in the spring. And it certainly seems like it's been put away in the closet for now. And if that's the case, maybe there is a little bit of a different demeanor. I, I don't think that it'll stop the players from having fun by any means. I think maybe you you do bring in some other guys who are like older older vets, for example. But Vladimir Guerrero Jr., for example, is probably always going to try and have some fun. We literally saw him on the broadcast the other day for Sportsnet. I think it was John Schneider was doing an in-game interview with Ben Wagner and Buck Martinez on the TV side. And during his interview, Vladdy was squirting him with water and throwing some seeds at him. So, you know, I, the home run jacket, the lack of it may mean not some more muted celebrations. But uh, I do think that Vladdy and the rest of those guys are... Uh, still going to find their uh, way to have some fun. And I think there's there's probably a good balance, too. Like, I've always been a big advocate of you do the the fun activities, whether it's the jacket or whether it's, like, the Red Sox put guys in, like, shopping carts or the Orioles wear chains or the Angels wear that, like, cowboy hat thing. Everyone does their different celebrations. I think it's important to have some kind of celebration. Uh, I always remember, uh, I think it was, in the, it was in the NFL, I think Bill Belichick was talking about how he loves to have his players celebrate sacks and have se- celebrate first downs and things like that, which I found fascinating because Bill Belichick's like the stodgiest, the grumpiest dude you'll, you'll ever see in sports. And even he understands the value of making sure your players celebrate. So I, I have a feeling we'll still see it, even if it's not via the home run jacket, we'll still see it for the Blue Jays this year. The danger of spring training is always seeing these young players that might overperform and kind of getting this idea in your mind that they're the next coming. And Ricky Tiedemann looked absolutely incredible in this first inning. Tamper a little bit of expectations here and tell me he's not going to make a difference on this team this year. <laughs> I, I'll say this. I, I don't think he breaks spring training camp with the Blue Jays. I don't think he makes it onto the active roster right away. But I, I do legitimately think there is a chance he is on the roster come, let's say, the All-Star break. Because... It, it kind of reminds me of the Alec Manoa conversation when Manoa got called, got called up a couple of years ago. And I remember even I, I was horribly mistaken on that because I definitely thought too few minor league innings under Manoa's belt. He only had two real good pitches that he, he disposed of opposing batters with. And despite that, he got called up and he dominated the Yankees in Yankee Stadium in his very first career major league start. I'm not saying that's going to exactly be the path for Ricky Tiedemann, but it does the spot for him to make a couple starts if the rotation is not panned out the way uh, Ross Atkins and John Schneider want is definitely there, right? I mean, the, the first four spots of the rotation are more or less set. You have Alec Manoa himself, you have Kevin Gossman, you got Chris Bassett, and you have Jose Barrios, who probably will bounce back considering the pretty awful season he had last year. But after that, I mean, it's, it's Yusei Kikuchi, who also has to bounce back, and he has looked good in spring so far. But beyond Kikuchi... Do you really want to put too much faith in Hyunjin Ryu? And again, I, I've really enjoyed Ryu's time in Toronto when he's been healthy, but health is the question mark, right? This is the guy who's going to be coming off of Tommy John surgery, and he probably won't be ready to go until after the All-Star break anyways. So I, I say why not give Ricky Tiedemann a chance? There's a, there's a very good chance that he could be pitching for the Blue Jays this year because I see all the same things with Manoa. He's very dominant. He doesn't have a lot of minor league innings, but... After a certain point, it's like if he's just going down to the minors and dominating other batters, I'm not really sure what there is for him to learn beyond just maybe conditioning. 
Well, it's one of those games that we seem to play every single spring about, you know, who's going to be on the roster, who are going right. to be your five starters, how long will that be the case? And obviously there's no way to tell, but uh, I think you look at that five spot in the rotation, uh, Kikuchi, like you said, he needs to have a bounce back here. He's pitched, I think, four innings as we speak right now so far in spring training, and he's looked good. Is that to say that he's going to bounce back and have a good year and solidify himself into that five spot? I think it's going to be a revolving door. You might see Tiedemann in there. Uh, once Ryu's back, he'll slide into the five spot. And really, it's going to be one of those situations where whoever's hot is going to be starting. Yeah, I think that's a real possibility. I, I feel like because of the money they're paying Kikuchi, they probably really want him to be that fifth guy. But I don't really think this is the time for them to be married to it if, for example, Tiedemann comes up and dominates right away. Maybe, there, maybe there's a situation where Kikuchi is still pretty good, Tiedemann comes up, is also very good, and he takes that fifth spot, and Kikuchi goes to the bullpen. Maybe the bullpen gets a bit re- a bit of a reinforcement via that. We actually did see that happen when he was really struggling last year, and he did it without really any complaints. And, and there were some times where he was relatively effective out of the bullpen in, like, let's say, medium leverage situations. But, hey, I mean, I think one thing with Kikuchi this year in particular, that, again, like, you, like you're saying, it's the spring. Like, we want to continue to see these improvements as the, as the spring campaign goes on. But Four innings, uh, zero earned runs, seven strikeouts so far, and two spring starts. A whip of around 0.50, which is pretty remarkable. I, I almost, I do kind of wonder how much the pitch clock has been helping Kikuchi. Because one thing we talked a lot about last year was he, he took a long time to deliver pitches. And he shook off the catcher many times because he didn't like the delivery or he didn't like the pitch that was being called for. And we know that Kikuchi has like just some electric stuff. Like this is a guy as a lefty who is probably one of the hardest throwing lefties in all of Major League Baseball. There are maybe, in terms of starting pitchers, maybe like three other pitchers I can think of off the top of my head: Rodon, McClanahan, and maybe Sale, who throw as hard as Kikuchi does. And I mean, Rodon is closer to the end of his career, so is Sale. McClanahan is a younger guy, obviously as well. But if Kikuchi has that potential and you want to harness it, the pitch clock seems to be helping to focus him because we saw a lot last year maybe he got a little lost they did lost some confidence in the long time between deliveries so hey if the pitch clock is here I, i'm all for the bearded pitch clock kikuchi to make a comeback here in 2023 one position that i have some concern about this year or at least some wonder concern is not the right word wonder for sure would be in that kind of dh first base spot because i think they got brandon belt vladdy who's going to dh sometimes and obviously aleandro kirk that you got to deal with if, if jansen's going to catch a lot of games for you which he is i think undoubtedly the the better defensive catcher so you want kirk to probably get his at bats mostly in the dh spot how do you see that position kind of rotate i i think you're right i think the more often than not we will see danny jansen and aleandro kirk in the lineup at the same time i think we saw that a lot last year and it was very successful. So I, I would I would imagine the Blue Jays want to continue that for as long as they humanly possibly can. We've heard some reports that even though Kirk is only going to be reporting to camp relatively soon, that he is still working a lot on his game calling. Because we saw last year when Danny Jansen was in and healthy, the effect he had via calling a game, and maybe that's just because he's been around Major League Baseball for a little longer than both Moreno last year and Kirk as well, but he called a pretty good game and seemed to help a lot of those guys. But Kirk has improved in such a short period of time. I think the Blue Jays will want him out there as much as possible. So I I would expect the DH spot most of the time to be occupied by Kirk with Jansen catching. Maybe there's the odd day where that flips because Kirk will be catching for maybe one or two of the starters. And on those days, maybe Jansen sits as a rest day because he's a teensy bit older. And then you do see a Brandon Belt, or you just see anyone else they want to get off their feet for like one of those half rest days, as they call them. Maybe that's where you see those guys DH. I would expect, I, I, I like the Brandon Belt suggestion because when Vladdy is, is at first, maybe you can get a lefty bat like Belt in the lineup. If it's not Belt, I wonder how much we see George Springer DH as well, because as we know, I mean, like, how much do you guys think we're going to see George Springer between now and the rest of spring? Like, probably maybe like twice. I would be, I would be shocked if. He, he plays all that much during the spring. So I think uh, Springer is going to see a lot of time at the DH spot. Belt for sure. Kirk for sure as well. And then pretty much just anyone else they want to get off their feet because they've, they've effectively used it as a as a mini rest day in the past. See, I think moving George Springer obviously to a corner outfield spot is going to help. It's just less work for him out there. 
Uh, but on top of that, you know, he just does get hurt a lot. And I have this thing in my mind where I think Brandon Belt is going to be a serious contender for this team is going to be a guy. He's a guy who had 20 home runs once in a terrible ballpark in a, in a ballpark where you don't hit many home runs. And he's that lefty power that they kind of, you know, need a little bit. I just, if they bring him in on a, there, there's got to be some kind of, of consideration when he signs that contract that he is going to play sometimes. Cause otherwise why leave a team that he's been with for his whole career and come to a blue Jays team? If he's just kind of going to be a bench bad, that's not going to help him. Like I, I've, I have heard reports that he did have uh, some, some issues physically last year where he was even uh, having trouble playing with his kids in the backyard. And he, he is, he's fixed that he is better. He feels great. You hear that from everybody starting spring training that my body's never felt better, but I kind of believe that he is feeling a little better and he does, or at least should, get some kind of opportunity. But I'm worried about where the opportunity is going to come from. It's a good, it's a good point. It's definitely true because when it comes to Brandon Belt, like you said, I mean, this is a guy who was beloved in San Francisco, won multiple World Series titles, and then just in the last, gosh, maybe three seasons, has not been healthy for the full year in basically any of them. He got the surgery, like you said, in the off season, and apparently had quite his pick of suitors, but that the Blue Jays offered him. The, the most unique combination of, well, certainly money, I'm sure, played into it, but also the promise of playing time. So with Vladdy basically entrenched at first base, I think you're right. He probably will see more time at DH. Maybe because, maybe too, you got to think, too, in the last essentially 48 hours from the time we're ch- chatting about it, I think Kirk basically, his wife gave birth to uh, a new child. Is I think he became a dad for the first time. Because of that, he had not yet reported to spring training and a lot of the blue jays staff had gone down to where he lives in mexico and had been involved with getting him up to game speed while his wife was waiting to give birth essentially it's very good news that he that's all that's happened now he can enjoy being a dad but i think he still hasn't reported to spring training yet so it does make you kind of wonder there's still about a month left before the the season starts so there's still quite enough time for him to get up to game speed but let's just say for the sake of argument that they don't want to tax Kirk too, too much over the next like week and a half. And they feel that come the season, season's uh, start against the Cardinals that he's not 100% ready. It'll, it'll probably be Brandon Belt. Having said that, I think there's enough combinations for giving guys rest days, getting one of Jansen and Kirk in the catching spot that you'll probably be able to see Brandon Belt DH maybe, I don't know, let's say a little over 100 times in 162 seasons. Because the other thing, too, is they probably will want to rest Vladdy every now and again as well. So maybe there are some days where you just see Vladdy DH and Belt goes to first, and that's a position we know he's uh, very good at from his time in uh, in San Francisco. Yeah, you're not giving Vladdy a full day off because he got it. You got, <laughs> yeah, we saw yeah. last year, you got to tape him to the bench, literally, and hide his bats. Otherwise, he is going uh, to get in there. One thing I wanted to get to before the end here, we're getting kind of right up against it. We saw that the Dodgers lost a huge part of their infield here recently, and the Jays seem to have a access of infield, especially second baseman when you look at with Vigio Espinal and Aurelis Martinez, who is, you know, kind of that next guy up in the minor leagues. Is that an option for the Toronto Blue Jays? If they were to move somebody like Espinal or Vigio, because the Dodgers do love their multiple multiple position guys. Can Aravis Martinez step in and be a bench guy that can play second, can play short, and give you a little backup? I do think Aravis Martinez will probably play in the majors for the Blue Jays at some point, but I, I honestly don't think it'll be probably close, barring some kind of crazy injury this year, like the, what the Dodgers suffered with Gavin Lux. I, I bet it'll be closer to 2024 until we see that question answered, just because, like you said, there's there are not that many open positions in the infield right now. Like First is basically said, Short is set and third is set. So that basically, like you say, only leaves second base. And I, and I do think there's a real chance we don't know who the everyday starter is at second just quite yet. Whit Merrifield, Kevin Biggio, certainly Santiago Espinal in the mix there. But I, from what I, I've been hearing, I think, the, I think a lot of the questions around the Blue Jays have been who, what, who will be the fourth outfielder and who's the starting second baseman. For the, uh, for the outfield position spot, it seems instead of going out and signing like a Robbie Grossman or a Jerickson Profar or any of those free agents that were or still are out there in Profar's case, they might just be happy with having Whit Merrifield be the guy who goes out on the outfield. We saw him do it last year and have Espinal and Biggio again platoon to start the year at second because we know, gosh, this club loves their positional versatility. And I don't think they're ready to give up on 
any of Merrifield, BGO, Espinal. As for the Dodgers, I, I almost wonder if the Dodgers were, will take uh, Miguel Rojas. He'll, he might see some more time at short. Chris Taylor has seen, what, like 250-something starts at, uh, at short as well. So I, I, even though the Dodgers are probably going to be on the hunt for an everyday uh, shortstop, it might be more... Like they might, they might look more towards their their uh, inner options, like the Vargases of the world, and so on, instead of maybe looking to a trade. At least, at least not with the Blue Jays, because Espinal, Biggio, Merrifield, from what I've heard, are, are very highly regarded in the organization. Show Ali joining us from Fan Five Ninety in Toronto. We are right up against the wall. Show, uh, thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure to talk, and uh, hopefully, we'll get to talk to you again once the Blue Jays get rolling a little bit here uh, and the season gets underway. Yeah, hey, anytime, guys. Message me. Uh, always happy to do it. Goldline would like to thank the sponsors, the volunteers, and the fans for making the Port Elgin Chrysler 23 Ontario Tankard and Scotties presented by Bruce Power such a great success. Curling has everything you're looking for in a pastime. Get started with equipment from Goldline, the choice of champions. Even though I'd just gotten a new job that paid well, I still wanted to be prepared for the unexpected. My Sun Life advisor encouraged me to do three things, get health coverage, start paying back debt, and build a safety net. When I got my cancer diagnosis, my advisor had already helped me become debt-free with enough set aside for emergencies. When I took time off, I didn't worry about my finances so I could focus on getting better. Today, I'm in remission. Call Middleton Finner Financial Services with offices in King Carden and Port Elgin. This is the Smitty and Mitty Show. Mini Mini Show segment three back with you across the TSMS radio network on your dials. Tyler Middleton and Noah Smith as a reminder. On the other side, we talked to Show Ali, who was joining us from the Fan 590 host there. Uh, he also does like Blue Jay talks or in between Blue Jay. Um, I don't even know. In between innings. In between they'll, innings. They'll, they'll the I don't know what you call that. He does the pregame. He doesn't do Blue Jay talk. I don't think that that's Blair Barker. I think that do that. But either way, Shoa Lee, thank you for joining us and talking some Blue Jays because we are awfully excited that spring training has kicked off and is moving. It is the best time of the year. The best for, time of the for... year. I think that is a huge overstatement. Really? I, I think it's one of the worst times. Maybe the first week is great, but after that. The, the only good thing is when I'm driving, I can for $5, I can buy all the spring, spring training games. And listen to the mother. You didn't even let me finish. Okay, sorry. It's because, you know, you get the sports like hockey that are deep into things. Uh, hoops is going on deep into things. And baseball, my favorite sport, starting back up again. There's just like this aura around spring training where you just feel like like wholesome almost. Like it's just, it just feels good. There, There's that first time that you hear the da-da-da-da on the radio. It's like, wow, we're back. It's spring, baby. Yeah. Right? You get that like, spring feeling. It's that time of year. But by the 25th time in the spring that you hear the yeah. da-da-da-da, it gets old. Like, uh, exhibition and preseason, the worst part of sports. It, it could get cut out in every way. Do they really need to play whatever 30 of these things? Yes. There's double headers. Do they need to play 40 of these things? Does it make it better in in, in, in person? Right? Like, you're heading down there. Like, as we speak, you're, you're um, as we record this, as this comes out, you're going to be on your way to Florida to hopefully take in some Toronto Blue Jays games. I feel like it, it, it just, it's something that needs to, A, like obviously players don't want to get right into things. Well, no, but you can you can take live BP and do scrimmages amongst yourself. It doesn't, I, I mean, again, I get it. Like it's all a money grab because the the fans are flock, there. Yeah, fans flock right? down there. People love, go, and when I'm retired, I'll go down there for spring training. That will be my month vacation in Florida. We'll just be hanging out at spring training. I would do that. And, I mean, I, I already am going down. The team's got to make their money back on their massive, uh, call them base facilities. Like, this is like the HQ of Toronto down in Dunedin, right? And they just put a bunch of money into it. Got to make their money back. 30 so, games spring training. Does it have to be from the fans' pockets? Yes. Because okay. whether it's through your Rogers cell phone bill or through the tickets at the gate, they're getting their money back. So, yeah. And the one thing spring training is good for, we talked about it there with Ricky Tiedemann, is... Seeing these young guys that you probably don't see very often. I remember two years ago when, I think it was two years ago, when Santiago Espinal was just making the crack at it. And I remember he hit a walk-off against the Tigers in spring training. A double down the line that scored two. And I was like, this guy is going to end up making this team. He's playing very well. It Those are fun to follow, those storylines of guys who you don't think could make the team, but all of a sudden push themselves. Like Bernardo Lopez goes out there and just plays phenomenal for the next month. 
and you're really talking about who's going to make this team, what gets boring is it fa- it, it pushes you into having the conversations about who's going to be the, this team's fifth starter. Yeah, but I think like... The, Does it, people, first of all, we know who it's those, probably going to be and who cares? People love those conversations though, right? And it's not, it's never going to stop. So just accept it what it is. Um, anyways, let's get into talking a little bit about some baseball and what we've seen. Spring training has been underway for about a week, a little bit longer than a week now. Um, and we have our first chance to see, uh, and we didn't get to talk about it with show there, the pitch clock, the bigger bases, the no shift, the the rule changes that Major League Baseball um, approved coming into this year. And now that we have seen on TV, heard on radio, listened to games, watched games, what are your thoughts on, let's start with the pitch clock, for example. Is this, obviously it's something that's going to stay for Major League Baseball. Is this an improvement for the game? We saw in the first, I think it was one of the first spring training games. Um First of all, you can tell that players are getting used to it, that there there's certain times where, like, I saw Vladdy the other day, he took a swing and a miss, and he went to step out and fix his gloves, and he was like, oh, like, you can see it on his face that he went, oh, I got to get back in the box. So they are still trying to get used to this. It's going to force pitchers to throw more strikes, and, and we've kind of seen it because you're not going to have that crisp command if you're having to go very quick, right? What I hope is that we see in one in, in one of the first spring training games, bases loaded, full count, two out, and the umpire calls a time violation on the hitter, and the game's over. I hope the umpires have a little more, and I, you know I hate blaming officials. You, you know I don't want to put anything. this all on officials, right? But I just hope that they have that sense of timing in the game when it's a full count, two outs, in the bottom of the ninth, that you give them a little... I don't care, give them 10 extra seconds. I don't think there's really anyone who's going to sit there. I would have been a proponent to shutting it off after eight innings. Is there, and and see, I've thought about that as well. Is this something that they can shut off after eight in, you know, nine and beyond is without the pitch clock? Um, Also, and I don't know, actually, I don't, be honest with you, I don't know the answer to this. I'm assuming it goes into postseason as well. Or does the pitch clock stop after the regular season? Because I would be a fan personally, and like I said, I don't know the answer to this if there was no pitch clock in postseason, I don't care if the games go long and they have that extra time and pitchers take a long time in the postseason. That doesn't bother me. It's It's the regular season. It's the one o'clock start on a getaway day on a Tuesday in July that they don't need to be there for four hours. Is that... Is that changing the game then? Are you giving a team who finished first place, let's say the Astros finished first, right, in their division, and it was because that they were able to adapt to those new rules a little bit better. They were a little faster. They were a little whatever. When it comes to the pitch clock, they were just able to make some changes. And then all of a sudden you go back to it and you give the team who finished, who just made the playoffs, they have a better chance because now their pitchers maybe throw a little harder to the bullpen and have a little more time. Like, are you just... I don't know if that makes sense, but are you changing yep. the game? Uh, I think it, that's where I believe, and once again, I think that's where the MLB, if they're going to stick with this, if this is going to be what they do, they got to do it, and they've got to stick with the times, and they've got to be hard on the times, and we talked, uh, you know, amongst ourselves, is this something where guys get that extra half second, right? If I'm just about ready to go and that clock hits zero, do you let me get into my leg kick then, or are you stepping out and calling time and calling a ball? Right, like there's got to be. I think there's got to be some leniency there. Otherwise, I uh, you might you might ruin the game. Do you remember? I, I want to say it was about five years ago, maybe even longer than that. The NHL referees really locked down on slashing, and for the first half of the year, you really noticed it that they were calling five slashes a game because they really wanted to get that out of it. I think the same idea is going to push over here, where you're going to see a lot of those calls in the first half of the year where it's going to become kind of routine to you. And then eventually, with about a month left in the season, you're going to go, wow, I haven't seen one of those in a while. I'm wondering if that's one of those things where if we, like, write this down, if we check back after All-Star break with one another, if we still have the same opinions. Because, like you said, uh, they start this in spring training, guys get used to it. Um, I, I believe, at least from watching the first week of spring training, that it's actually affecting the batters more than the pitchers you're starting to realize that, hey, maybe this was the batters taking 15 seconds between pitches. Maybe it wasn't on the pitching staff. So I'm wondering if, you know, like you said, a month of spring training, even into the first month of the regular season, you'll see it, 
but it's going to slowly wean itself down. I have, I have noticed, and and I, I noticed it during the regular season too, like last year. I hate when hitters step out, grab their gloves, you know, grab some dirt, take a look in the crowd, and come back into the pitcher stand. They're waiting for them. It did. I, I don't want this to sound like I'm not a fan of the pitch clock. It is speeding games up significantly. We're having games going two hours and twenty minutes. Yes, spring training. Usually those go a little bit longer because you're making a lot of pitching changes. Mm-hmm. But that's not happening. It is speeding the game up and it's making it more watchable. I, I think it's a case where we didn't realize how unwatchable the game was just because we are such fans of the sport, of the game, of the little nuances. But it is, I think, making it more watchable to maybe not the general fan, but to the general baseball player and baseball fan who does understand what's happening but wanted it to happen a little faster. Well, and that's the thing. Major League Baseball is trying to, um, I don't want to say they're trying to grow beyond their means, but they're trying to grow a game that has, by all accounts and numbers-wise, been dying a little bit, right? Some of the fans are older, they're aging out, you're losing fans. Major League Baseball is trying to get that back a little bit. In an age where there are 15-second videos on the internet and you swipe through them all, you need to be a little bit faster pace. And that's where, like I said, you touch back... The games in July, they don't need to be four hours long. You're not going to get fans by having four-hour-long baseball games in the middle of July. 220? People are going to love that. That's how long an NHL game takes. That's how long an MLB game takes. Football a little bit longer, but still, it's shorter. It's more compact, and I think it's going to work out better for baseball. One of the one of the things that makes, you know, I was just thinking, what sport do I watch the most out-of-market games? And it is hands down football. I watch, I'll watch the the Cardinals and the Seahawks on a Thursday night or on, even on a Sunday at one. If my bills aren't playing, I will watch some kind of game. And you know why? It's because I got money on it, right? I bet on it. So if they do want to make it more watchable for the fan, for, for, for not even the fan, for the just sport fan, you got to kind of incorporate betting a little bit more into it because I think that's just where the money is. That's obviously where the money is right now, but that's where the fan attention kind of is right now. Am I, am I, am I wrong? Like how do you make baseball more bettable? I I don't know. It's just one of those sports that I don't think is ever going to be as, um, if you want to use that word bettable as like football, right? Football has got it working for them where they're once a week, right? I don't have to worry about, um, what game is going on like baseball it's and, and even hockey for that matter there's there's games seven nights a week right sometimes even if you look at fantasy that can get too much to handle right people don't have time to check their fantasy seven days a week that's where nfl works in their favor uh bottom line i think it's good for major league baseball i want to touch back at this at the all-star break and see how we feel specifically about the pitch clock one last question would you be a fan of cutting games down is 162 too many um, the, here, the only reason I'm not a fan of cutting down the season, and I think you could cut it down a little bit, but you need to stay kind of above, like, let's say 145, whatever the even number is there. It's definitely not 145 if you're looking for an even number. I think they played 154 before they played the 162. No, 142. Right? Take 20 games off. I think that would work, but anything above that, and even if you cut 20 games off, you start running into the issues of records and yada 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 and okay, not, not comparable that, seasons and stuff like that well that's the only reason why i'm not a fan of cutting down the season but you could do a prorated kind of thing or you could just do separate eras like we do that already you can't really compare a barry bonds to an aaron judge it's hard to do that because the times but are just do. so different but people do yeah it's just all the time when, when you talk especially when you talk about the steroid era but I, it's so different i think would you miss like baseball every day? Is is baseball every single day knowing that there is a Jays game that night? Because I'm actually kind of sad on season days where it's an off day. But if you cut 20 games off, you're not really going to notice it. It's maybe it's one... 20 off days. Yeah, but that's only, what, one extra day a week? That's uh, quite a bit. I know, but it's not like you're still going to have baseball almost every single day. Does it make you... Would it, if, Which is more than every other sport. Let's say the Jays took every Monday and Thursday off. Like it was routine that those were the travel days. Cause you have a weekend series and you have whatever. And then you have a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So you, I don't know who knows, but you have specific days off for travel days. Would that make you more excited to watch a weekend series? I think it makes, <laughs> makes things easier if you're planning your life. 
right? If you're planning your week around things and you know that uh, Wednesday is no Major League Baseball to what travel What if this? Day. Ooh, I just had a great idea. And then we'll... Uh, I know we're long. And then we'll stop. Yeah, we're way over, yeah. but that's fine. What if they added... They made, they went to a point system. So two points for a win. That's it, right? And they added one extra point for a series win. So now your getaway days, your... your your um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Your series tied it to yeah, the rubber match. Rubber match. Thank you. Your rubber match of a series means a lot. With that, do you think increase viewership? Knowing that there's that that could be ten points. It would, but then you run into the issue of now you have to have every series winnable, right? Or what do you do if a series is tied? Four game series are just as normal as three game series. So something you run into there. Interesting. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of ways to make baseball a little more to 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 light your fire to watch a, a Wednesday afternoon. And these game. these are the conversations that I'm sure happen in the Major League Baseball. I guarantee offices. nobody has ever thrown the idea out at the Major Do League. Do you want to bet? Do you want to bet? Like, How... I can almost guarantee you that idea and millions others have been thrown around the Major League Baseball offices. Yeah, we have no idea to figure that out. Okay, we got a hit break. We'll finish up the show on the other side. You're listening to the Smitty Mini Show on the TSMS Radio Network. Goldline would like to thank the sponsors, the volunteers, and the fans for making the Port Elgin Chrysler 23 Ontario Tankard and Scotties presented by Bruce Power such a great success. Curling has everything you're looking for in a pastime. Get started with equipment from Goldline, the choice of champions. Even though I'd just gotten a new job that paid well, I still wanted to be prepared for the unexpected. My Sun Life advisor encouraged me to do three things, get health coverage, start paying back debt, and build a safety net. When I got my cancer diagnosis, my advisor had already helped me become debt-free with enough set aside for emergencies. When I took time off, I didn't worry about my finances so I could focus on getting better. Today, I'm in remission. Call Middleton Finner Financial Services with offices in King Carden and Port Elgin. Now back to the Smitty and Mitty Show. The minute and a half, Smitty Mitty's show, segment four on the TSMS radio network. Tyler Middleton and Noah Smith, who absolutely hates doing this. Uh, these short segments at the end of the show, we are required by contract with the TSMS radio network to do a fourth segment and say goodbye to the listeners. But it's just like the quickest, most boring, most pointless. You don't get your full goodbye. You don't have closure yeah. when it's only a minute. Yeah, and it's half. just, it's there's no, and here we are. Now we're 24 seconds in and we haven't even said thank you. But we have to thank the sponsors. Who is Dave Middleton at Sun Life Financial. Life is brighter out of the sun. Gold line curling, the choice of champions. We're also going to mention here, if you are in the area, the the uh, the, the Canadian Briar is happening in Ontario at uh, in London, just around the corner from us. The bud, at the bud. If you have an opportunity, grab some tickets, head on down. Tickets are real cheap and you can watch uh, some of the best curlers in the world do what they do in a very beautiful arena. I'll be there March the 9th. Come track me down. Get to see royalty in person. What time are you leaving Saturday? Don't know. Okay. Smitty Mini Show. That wraps things up. That was real quick, eh? Yeah, there's a 2 o'clock draw. I'd love to go with you. All right, let's go. All right, sounds good. Smitty Mini Show. That wraps things up for another week here on the TSMS Radio Network. More sports talk comes your way next week.